everybody tuning in out there in the world of web. Welcome to another great off-lip radio show. Neil, show number? Is it 600 or 400? 600. 600 and we'll, we'll call it 652 tonight. We got a great show. Thanks for tuning in. All of you on Santa Cruz Waves, thank you for stopping by tonight. Um, we're live from the beautiful Santa Cruz boardroom right here in Pleasure Point, Santa Cruz County. And tonight, our guest is our relatively brand new chief of police in Santa Cruz, the city of Santa Cruz. Bernie Escalante is here tonight. And thank you for taking time to stop by the show. Neil. Thanks, thank you for not wearing your uniform. No uniform. Well, it's a little hot. <laughs> yeah, because he said to he wrote to me, he goes, do you have to wear my uniform? <laughs> he should have said yes, <laughs> just to torture him. <laughs> I should have tortured him. It's 100, it's 100 it's degrees a, in here. I knew he it was would hate it. 99 degrees. <laughs> but you said you had it on earlier today, but you were actually in an air-conditioned building today wearing it. So congrats to that. Um, welcome to the show, first and foremost. Welcome to your new position as chief of police for the city of Santa Cruz. And congratulations for a... Did you say 26-year career at Santa Cruz Police Department? Almost, almost. And yeah. are you, is there anyone there with more, like, a longer tenure than you right now? I don't believe, uh, no, there is. There's a, there's a couple. I have, uh, I think, one sergeant, uh, at least one, if not two, that are there with a little bit more time than me. Let's go back 26 years. Um, what was what would 26 years be like? That's 94, 96, 96. Okay, so in 96, what's the difference between 96 and 2022? <laughs> yeah. I mean, is, wow. is, it, is it a night and day <laughs> well, deal for you? you? I mean, there, in some cases, it's night and day between now and five years ago. Yeah, let alone 25 or 26 years ago. Yeah, it, it uh, it's much different, um, and in some ways, you know, uh, I think. It's better, and in some ways, it's just it's just different. It's gonna be more difficult for sure. Sh surely, no. Uh, Even with the technology, it's more yeah, difficult. Yeah, the the demands are greater on policing today in a lot of ways, um, and so and I think that you know some of the issues are more challenging, a lot more social issues. Yeah. Uh, that mm -hmm. we're uh, are we're dealing with so. Um, more HR department issues. Is that is it a different HR department than 26 years ago? Yeah, I think, well, you know, the workforce is different um, and the rules around HR are different, but uh, more so just the, the work uh, in the field is, is definitely different. Hmm. I could admire you from being born and raised here. It's nice to have some one of our own be the police chief. Is that, was, was that something that do you think uh, captured you the spot? Yeah, I mean, you know, I think it, it probably doesn't happen very often that somebody survives through this profession for 25 plus years and, and is able to stay in their hometown. And then, uh, you know, I of didn't start my career thinking that this is what I wanted to do to, to finish off. But you were a community. You were commute. You said that you were a community service officer, right? Yeah. Which is basically they just you walk the streets. Right. Slightly different. Light blue uniform. Uh, you're unarmed. Um, and yeah, I was walking walking the streets and assigned to the Beach Flats community. And uh, at the time, Chief Belcher was trying to really connect with the community down there. And uh, so that that was my role to start off. I kind of feel like you're throwing a dog bone into dog park. Yeah. Like when you, like in, with a bunch of wild dogs, when you are assigned 26 years ago, that position in the Beach Flats, because the, the flats were a little wild 26 years ago. 
Yeah, it was much different 26 years ago. It definitely needed more uh, police presence, for sure. Back then. And it also not only needed police presence, but it needed the uh, community involvement and engagement Um, because that's such a huge part to our success in policing is the community being involved, trusting the police department and building relationships. So, uh, you know, strategically, it was a a great move. It makes sense. I mean, if you talk to the neighbors... They get to know you. They trust you, right? Is that sort of the exactly. feet on the streets e- mentality? Exactly. And it's not just a one-off situation. They see you, you know, every day or four or five days a week. Um, and so and it was a great opportunity to connect with the kids and connect with the kids when they got out of school and got off the school bus, play basketball with them. Uh, it, yeah, it was, it was a good time. Did you want to be a policeman at that time, or were you just kind of like, ah, just try this out for a little bit? Did you know yeah. or did you d- you know, I, I think I can remember uh, a police officer coming to my uh, class up at Westlake Elementary School um, when I was, I don't know, maybe fourth grade. And I just really looked up to the uniform. And um, so I think I always really knew what I wanted to do. Right. And at that time, I had just gotten back from Europe. I was playing baseball over there. And uh, it was time for me to <laughs> change channels in my life and... and uh, so, yeah, and, and I, I always really envisioned being a police officer at this. Did you try and make baseball as a profession? Uh, I tried. Yeah, it was well, unsuccessful, well. <laughs> but I tried. And, uh, well, you couldn't hit the curveball, or what was the problem? <laughs> yeah, it was probably more of the 95-mile-an-hour fastball that was the problem. So, um, yeah, it was, it was certainly a dream, but, uh, you know, it was time to it was time to move on. Was your brother already in the, sorry, TT, uh, was your brother already in the force at the time? Yeah, my brother started, gosh, uh, I'm going to say mid-80s, Yeah, um, right around there. And, uh, and uh, your f- was your dad in there? Was your, uh, did it go way back as far as what your, f- your family being in the force? My father worked uh, for a short period of time with Watsonville Police Department. Uh, and then sh- I can't remember exactly how many years he put in there, but then he changed and worked for PG&E for like 35, 40 years. Kay. Are we still having officers go to schools and do what – influenced you you know unfortunately i don't think we are going to the schools like we should be Mm -hmm. um, and engaging and interacting with the kids uh is certainly something that i'd like to you know see us do more of and just again connecting with the community you're serving and building those relationships uh is is so so pivotal well i just think that's it's so i mean when i was young and dumb i ran a couple of times you know i've drinking in my car or something doing something dumb but when you do that you create what you said was that trust to where you can engage and dissolve situations with dumb kids like i was when i was a kid and i feel like that's what if if, if it if it influenced you the way it did i feel like that'd be a great program to influence other kids in our community so i i For would sure. think that that'd be an awesome especially thing with what's going on nowadays with the kids with these school shootings and so forth it's you know to uh is it something you guys are tackling as as a as a separate entity? Like, this is not going to happen here, or how are you guys tackling that? When you see that on the news, what what's the first thing? What do you do the next morning when you go to work? Well, yeah, the first thing you do is cringe. Uh, of course. And then you go back to work and you start um, looking at how prepared are we? Uh, are we prepared? Uh, do we have the right equipment? Um, what are our needs to, to do the best to prevent it and if it does happen to respond to it? And then, you know, back to the relationship stuff. 
um, sometimes that's where those relationships come into play, where you have a relationship, a trusting relationship with some of these kids, and they're more willing to come forward and tell you about somebody that's concerning to them. Right. Mm. If, if, if they don't trust you, then they don't come to you with that information. So um, that kind of is that connection again. Yeah. Well, or did we not do just some training exercises in the county, rec like active shooter training at schools? Is there some stuff that we're doing? Uh, I don't know. You know, each agency does different things um, as far as with their individual respective jurisdictions, but we are always training. In fact, I know this summer there is a training, and we've trained the last several summers. Uh, UCSE has put on a program where all the agencies in the county are involved in a uh, massive drills that includes victims and is as live as you can make it. Um, and we've used a few different schools in the county to to um, to train. So uh, always something you got to be prepared for. Unfortunately, you can never think that it's not going to happen here because mm -hmm. that's the first thing you hear on the news, right? Do well, it, it was it, but 26 years ago we weren't. That wasn't as much of a of a thought. No, it wasn't. Uh, yeah. It, it definitely is is more of an issue today. Um, obviously, right now, there's a lot of strain and stress in, in society for a lot of reasons. Financial strain and stress, uh, COVID, um, gas prices, the stocks, right. whatever you, you, you name it is, uh, I think, factors into the, the behaviors. Do you think uh, kids are going to school with guns? I mean, I know it sounds that you have to be just—it's a little bit of an assuming there, but estimation. But do you think kids are going to school? Some schools in Santa Cruz are there's kids in there with guns on them. I I feel pretty confident that uh, that they aren't. I mean, is there one or a few that are slipping through the cracks here and there? It's certainly possible. Uh, you know, we have a great working relationship with the Santa Cruz City School District. Um, and so we're constantly collaborating and working with them to, you know, build whatever we can do to, right. to, to, you know, prevent something like this. But it's simply impossible. There's a lot of, I guess, competing values, right? Some people don't want their schools to look like what they would call prisons, so they don't want them fenced in. But obviously that would be a huge tool to, to prevent a stranger or somebody that's not supposed to be on campus to come on campus. But... Um, the way uh, the schools are designed, that becomes a challenge. Right, right. Well, so often it comes up that it's the men we don't have enough resources for the mental illness aspect of this situation. But I did see that our federal government might possibly pass some gun control stuff. And have you been paying attention to what's going on currently, like whether or not we can pass this stuff? I mean, I pay attention to it from a distance, right? I, I try to stay a little bit removed from the politics and just kind of tell me what, what the final product is yeah. so we can, we can execute it and put it into play. Um, so I try not to get too involved in it or pay too close attention to it because I know it's going to evolve mm -hmm. over, over time. And there's a lot of rhetoric, rhetoric that you can get caught up in and get frustrated or depending on your, uh, your views. So... Um, <coughs> Yeah, you know, we'll, we'll wait and see what comes of it. Um, right. it it's also really hard because uh, I think, you know, our values here in Santa Cruz are different than maybe somewhere in the Midwest or in the Texas South. Texas or something, so right. So it, it's, um, you know, it, it's, it's always uh, 
ebbing and flowing. This is how well, it ends. Go ahead. Do you have a full staff right now, or is it, are you guys uh, very understaffed? Um, yeah, we are very uh, understaffed, and yeah, I'd like to take this opportunity to yeah. put a little plug out there that, you know, we have hiring incentives. Uh, we're constantly hiring. Uh, we just pushed some information out a couple weeks ago on social media. We're continuing to push um, in our advertisements, mostly on social media. Uh, it'd be great to get people um, <coughs> from the community uh, to invest in the community. But um, we, you know, COVID set us back quite a bit. Right. And so we're kind of in a recovery mode right now. And um, our staff works just incredibly hard and, and long hours right now, unfortunately. Um, but we have a number of people in the pipeline. You know, it takes almost a year and a half to get somebody from the application to out in the field on the road. Mm -hmm. Academy, everything. The academy, six mm -hmm. months. The field training program is four months. Um, the, the hiring process itself is probably almost six months. And they have to finish all that. And they have to successfully finish all of that, correct. They could fail the academy. They could pass the academy but fail, fail the field training program. Previously, we've heard that the struggles are also budget-related as well with having the fiscal energy to take care of what you need to yeah you know um again back to covid you know communities had to make cuts mm -hmm. uh and so um you know i think it's a constant battle with the city of santa cruz specifically i think that it's a small city that has big city issues right and big city demands on police fire parks and rec public works all of it um and so often oftentimes I think we struggle to to have the, the tax base to support what it really needs right um, and so we're always thinking creatively to make it work right and that goes back we've had oh we had the mayor hang on a second yeah well, I missed I missed a chief right I missed what well, you said we have two chiefs. we had mm. three chiefs on the show so far Aaron Ching from the CHP oh captain captain yeah if I yeah. called him chief he's like captain <laughs> I was like gotcha <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, we've had other people that, have, um, that are involved in local government, and oftentimes, Neil, it always comes back to money when it comes to aspects of mental health, homelessness, um, policing. Well, I, I think it's what you said. You got too yeah. little money for too much, too many, too, yeah. too big, uh, a big city thoughts with too little money. money. Right? Yeah, a lot of demands. demands yeah. sure. So you're not only a police chief, you're a lobbyist uh, as well, right, to create this, uh, uh, the the monetary demands that your force needs to keep our community safe but also at the same time to grow as our community grows is that a, a, like how do you do that where does how do you increase your budget yeah you know it's it's funny because you don't get into this job thinking you're going to end up being a lobbyist at the very end <laughs> you just you yeah. grew up as a police officer all your all your life or all your career um yeah you know i mean you just have to um you have to get creative for sure. Um, you know, police officers are expensive. Mm -hmm. our, our biggest, you know, uh, chunk out of our budget is personnel. Uh, we have very little discretionary funds in our budget. So, but then, you know, when you put the officers out in the field, there's a lot of um, expectations, right? Of yeah. how they can perform, how they deal with the homeless, how do they deal with the mentally ill in crisis. Um, and so that comes with a lot of training for equipment 
and all of those things. So um, the, the money aspect is, is endless. Uh, there's a lot of uh, competing demands uh, within the community too, right? Mm -hmm. It's not just the police department. Did, so. did Chief Mills just hand you, hand you the keys to the, uh, to the, the truck? The baton. Or, yeah, did he pass the <laughs> baton or did he say, hey, come on in, get over here. Did he give me a couple, let me, I'm gonna, I want a couple weeks of your time. Well, you were working together before he left. Yeah, we, yeah. Uh, I worked with Chief Mills for probably, well, the whole time he was here, you know, four, four years or so. Um, you know, and he, he did a lot for me to prepare me and pave the way for me to, to be his successor. Uh, so I'm, you know, I'm grateful to, to all of the things that he taught me. And, um, you know, w we may have slightly different styles, but that's okay. Right. right. I, I think we learn from each other. Right. Um, learn from our successes and our failures. And um, so it was all a, a real positive experience. But Your goal's the same. Uh, yeah. 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 The goal's, goal's the, the same. The, the end goal is, is, is the same. It's sometimes uh, maybe how we get there is a little different, right? He's... He was always a little bit more out in front. Flamboyant. He was a Facebook. He's always on Facebook. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I don't do, and I don't do Facebook. No, that's right. <laughs> I don't do it. I stay yeah. away from it. So. Yeah. But he was on that thing. He was on that all the time. Yeah. 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 Well, you know, and he did a lot of things for our organization as far as building that, that community trust and legitimacy, right? Um, so <clears throat> that's something that we were, we were missing at that time. Um, so... Anyways, yeah. I enjoy the Santa Cruz Police Department social media as a as a resident of Santa Cruz, and I would encourage more of that because it does – I felt like during the past six years or since social media and, and SCPD has been to kind of on a roll, um, I enjoy seeing what happens and how you're protecting the community with, through social media. So I would hope – you f I know you follow him. Yeah. I would hope that that would be continuing oh, because it's a great way to get the message out that you're you're 100% you're behind the community. And so I would hope that you guys could continue with social media. Not maybe as heavy as Andy Mills was, yeah. but I like when I like when you guys um, apprehend uh, somebody that's pure scum and you share that with the community because it just makes me feel like you're making an effort to keep our sidewalks safe. Yeah, we, we definitely will keep up that, that work. And, uh, you know, Joyce, our community relations specialist, does a great job. She's always cranking out messages on the weekends, on her days off, off on vacation, all of that. So that's uh, really important, and I agree. It's uh, a huge part of our success. Um, but, again, there's competing values. For everybody that likes to see photos of the work that we do and right. the photos of the, the arrestees, uh, we get just as many emails that complain about why we're, why we're embarrassing somebody, and <laughs> so you have to balance it. Right, right. Uh, there's there's obviously different points of view out there. So, so yeah. since since we've been doing the show, you know, for eight years now, we've been with the homeless the homeless treadmill. You know, it just it just we had every, all these politicians in here, and, and it doesn't seem to, it it's nothing's changing, nothing's getting any better. How are you? How are you? I mean, what's going on down there by the courthouse right there? It's uh, unbelievable. It's it's like a it's like a its own little city. Yeah. It looks like some of the places have gardens and and it's just like its own <laughs> right. People tend to, to their totally. gardens and <laughs> and obviously there's a drug issue down there too. But I mean, how how are you dealing with it? Well, you know, I would say that um, unfortunately that that whole situation went completely unmanaged for a, a period of long period of time, and and now you're seeing the end results of of 
the lack of management. Um, so, you know, uh, the new city manager, Matt Huffaker, came in in uh, January, and I think for once, at least as far as I could see, um, we at least have a plan, a vision of how we're going to close that down. Um, but we're going to do it with compassion to the folks that are down there that that want services, and we're uh, in the process of partnering with uh, county, you know, social services to to help us with that and get people into a, a better living living situation for those that that want it, you know. And then there's the ones that just kind of want to live live lawlessly, and and um, you know that that's not appropriate in the community, and so we'll have to address them differently. Right, right. Well, I think we constantly hear about the Prop 47, and what it's uh, almost created a lot of lawlessness through that. Seems like sometime in the future, we have to be able to change how uh, people who commit crimes are treated after they commit crimes too. Because there's, uh, I, I always see, and you know this too, through the Santa Cruz Police social media, a big thing you see is how long until he's back on the street. Like I always see that comment every time because it's really hard to have people pay for crimes now. And it has to be frustrating for you to see somebody that you just caught doing a crime and they're back like an hour later. Yeah, it's, it's extremely frustrating for our staff. Um, and you were talking about earlier on how things have changed in 25, 26 years. Well, I can remember the three strikes law, mm -hmm. right? right? Now, that didn't necessarily, uh, maybe that wasn't the best approach, but we've gone from that in the last 25 years to Prop 47, Prop 57, 8109. It's really a trend of decriminalizing, mm -hmm. um, deinstitutionalizing, uh, and and I think we're seeing the effects of that, right? And so do, it, do, do you, do you in that situation, do your offices like we're just this is just an uphill battle? How, how do you keep the, uh, the the morale going with the offices if they they see that this is that, it, that you guys every day is going uphill? There's nothing going downstream. It just seems like it's a tough gig for the for your employees. It, that's a that's a great question because it is tough. It is tough uh, when you ask your folks to go out and and and, and really you know kind of enforce the law and, and and be a part of the success of the community and and they know the of it right they know that some of these folks get out before they even uh, you know, can go back to the office and write the report mm -hmm. um, you've seen that yourself here yeah absolutely yeah we've had people we've caught stealing lots of stuff and they come back in the door after we thought we got them arrested and they yell at us for calling the police we're <laughs> like what are you, how did you what are you doing back so fast yeah yeah it's yeah I I always encourage the community to stay a little bit more or a lot more engaged with with what's going on at the at the state level, because mm -hmm. there's there's legislation that is that is still going on today, um, that is is really trending towards just decriminalization. And I, I don't necessarily believe that uh, locking them up, throwing away the keys, is the solution either. But there, I was raised that you know you're held accountable with consequences. And, Absolutely. And I really wonder what kind of consequences people are, are facing. Maybe three strikes law was a little over the top, but maybe they're somewhere in the middle from where we are yeah. now to, to that point. But um, I miss community service. Like that was a great thing, you know. Like 
Yeah, I often wonder why we have one piece of garbage in our parks or our beaches. Yeah. The number of uh, people that have violated the law and um, and not held accountable. Right. I, yeah. I completely agree. It has to be frustrating. I know it's frustrating with me. I know it's frustrating with our community, how you can't leave a bike in your yard like we used to be able to do. You know, there's a lot of things that, you know, the community is frustrated with. But I also, I know I feel your frustration with if you had 50 more, you know, feet on the streets, it could change how policing and how the community would be in this county, you know, so. So you became police chief last October, was it? Last October? Yeah, I was, uh, I stepped in as the interim yeah. when, it, when Andy left. And right. then, uh, I don't know, about oh. a month or two ago, <laughs> they officially. What were your top three goals being as a new police chief? Well, the, the, the first and foremost for me was, was staffing um, and, and inside the organization. And I keep using the analogy that uh, I feel like before I can ask them to do more work, I, I have to take care of the staff and the morale and, and, and try to lessen the strain and stress on them. And <clears throat> I use the analogy of, you know, driving your car to and from work or whatever, you know, you, once in a while you gotta change the oil, you gotta take care of the engine, right? Well, my staff's the engine. If I don't take care of the engine, the car's gonna fail. Right. So that's first and foremost. Before I can do anything, I, I mean, I don't have the staff right now to go out and do proactive enforcement other than just calls for service. That's that's what I got right now. So um, <coughs> that 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 was th the biggest one yeah. and, the, and the most glaring goal for me. Do you get a lot of calls for service at this time? I mean, and, and then you you kind of weed them out like, yeah, this is more important than this one, or. or yeah, our, well, our dispatch center right. that dispatches for the whole county, they, that's what they do. They prioritize based off of the circumstances okay. that are described to them. And, and so we take them in, you know, as we can, and, and the right. lower priority ones sometimes get, get stacked down below for a little while. So if they call 911, 911 will decide who the call goes to. Yeah, depending on the right, circumstances. Right, and the location. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, yeah, I mean, it's weapons involved is it in progress or did it happen yesterday you know all those sort of or things. would it be a sheriff's issue with that is that how it gets split up or uh yeah i mean oftentimes um yeah they'll ask where did the crime occur and then, then it gets you know yes. divided up you, you guys you share the county jail with with the sheriff's department how's that work downtown and well, what's, what's the state of that facility with covid and, and uh, all of what's going on nowadays with crime being so high yeah, you know, I mean, I'm not, I'm not intimately involved in the operations okay. of the jail. That that's the sheriff, um, but they have been under a lot of strain themselves, right? right? Um, if it wasn't COVID, uh, which you know required them to space people out, and and so their population had to be reduced, um, they have staffing challenges, right? So they only can open up so much of the facility that they could supervise. Um, you also have, uh, you know, other factors that, you know, like Prop 47 or, you know, 57. So you have a lot of these, the, the, the governor has wanted to close state prisons, right? And w they've saved a lot of money. I don't know how much our surplus is as a state right now, but it's a lot of money, mm -hmm. right? And I would argue part of that is because some of these prisons are closing. Well, those folks are being transferred to the local counties to take care of them. 
So now the county jail that's not built for a long-term stay right. is dealing with um, some hardcore criminals that have been transferred from state prisons back to our county jail. Well, those folks are now taking up spaces for the folks that are committing crimes here in our community. Right, so there's no room. There's, so there's just no room. No. And <laughs> in our, I, I had a friend who was a sergeant down at our county jail. I've been on many tours there. They have great food um, <laughs> for the staff. But um, it would be an awesome field trip for, like, elementary kids to see because you would never <laughs> commit a crime you take if you saw what goes in there because it's overcrowded. We know that. They literally sleep. If, uh, if you're a rookie, if you're a newbie, you don't get a bed. You get a plastic boat. <laughs> you know, it's heavy. And there's uh, it, you, you're in there until your trial's done. So you could be a literally a murderer. So just I'm going to tell you a quick story. I, in there, there's a they have they have wards. So if you're in the blue team, you're in this one. The red team, this one. If you're a sex offender, you're in this one. So in the sex offending area, there's literally very scary humans. And then there's a couple of 18 year olds who had sex with the 16 year old next door, and their eyes are this big. It's like you want to get well, scared straight. Like you, like you said, if you're 18 years old, you know the consequences. You know, right? right. You go. You have an 18 year old kid, yes. right? Yeah. They know yeah, the con. They know the. Right. Scared straight is what that is. Yeah. Yeah, we, you know, we've done programs, uh, gang prevention programs before where we've taken uh, younger folks into the jail, obviously with, with family permission and stuff like that, and, and shown them the criminal justice system as a whole just to see that, you know, these are at-risk youth that are going down a bad path and we're trying to intervene in their lives. So, um resources we, we, right we, we've done that to try to prevent them from going down there and part of the program is to show them what it's like yeah. you know if they make these bad choices very much an eye-opener for me yeah. it's not a place i would ever want to hang out you know <laughs> yeah it's definitely an eye-opener um what's the number one need that you have for your force but outside of staff we know that money yeah money um you know really I think the biggest challenge right now is is figuring out a way to uh, effectively deal with the the social issues of of homelessness, mental illness, and and uh, substance abuse or addiction. Mm -hmm. um, I think we would all agree that incarceration by itself is is not the answer. Uh, you can't you can't enforce your way out of those problems. But we answer the phone you know, 24 seven. Um, so I think the challenge for us as an entire county is pulling together all of our resources from a law enforcement perspective to social service, you know, health and human services perspective and bringing our resources together to um, help each other out, right? And more effectively handle the situation instead of thinking that a, a ticket or, or an arrest is really going to change one of their uh, some of their behavior. Yeah, hmm. you know, it's, it's you know, you, you think about the police. I think about the police, you know, police officer, and, and it just their patrol car pulling somebody over, going to you know, going to that window, and asking for a driver's license and registration, and you just never know what's behind that window anymore. Now people just seem like just want to shoot. That's all they want to do is just shoot. I mean, it must be really frustrating and very stressful for your staff because you just don't know what's going to happen when you pull that guy out or, or 
whoever over, and you don't know what's going to happen in the next five minutes. Yeah, I try to tell people that try to you know don't forget that that police officers are human beings, right? And they have feelings, they have emotions, just like anybody. And and uh, yeah, it's it's hard to describe that that uh, sense of uh, of fear, I guess that you know every every stop or any given moment it could be that moment right, right. and then to to add to it now you have uh, more officers that in some cases are being uh, civilly and criminally charged for their split-second decisions so that's another uh, reason that it's difficult to recruit or or retain I've had officers after a few years there they just say you know it's not worth it to me yeah um, well that was andy mills's number one thing andy told us that that liability now that you accept personally as becoming a police officer is keeping people from wanting to protect the community it's so terrible to even think about yeah and don't get me wrong there there's some out there that you know probably deserve to be criminally or civilly charged uh, but the ones where it's just an honest mistake and it's a split-second decision and it, it, you know granted it's it's a very traumatic and, and unfortunate situation if somebody loses their lives or you know or, or significantly injured but um, it that's you know like no other profession that I can think of scary stuff second decision other than you know Draymond Green turning the ball over in the finals <laughs> or something but uh, it's not a life and death situation <laughs> no. so anyways. Is, is every one of your officers wearing a camera every single one has a body camera and there's cameras in the cars yeah, we've had we've actually had cameras in the cars for years. Is that one of the best tools that you have for? Uh, yeah, it's kind of a, a great story to see how that's evolved because I can remember having the conversations about, oh my gosh, how are we going to introduce this to staff? Um, they're going to just revolt, and um, there was some pushback, but for the most part, I think that they had already done their homework and they realized um, those cameras actually help the officers probably 99.9% .9 of the time more than they, they hurt them. Right. Because yeah. obviously for the most part you have honest officers that are just doing their community service, what they've signed up for, mm -hmm. and, and that's really protecting them, not the bad apple. Right. Exactly. No, they, they've uh, been a huge a huge asset because we could just log right into the system and, you know, if, if an officer is accused of whatever, we could yeah. we can really eliminate that or, or you know proceed with an investigation with the matter of just a couple of minutes of looking at the body camera yeah done deal what uh, how many years do you think you need to be uh, in this job here you gonna stick around stick around for a little bit and, and uh, yeah you know do the, do the city do the city some uh, some good service <laughs> well, which by the way thank you for your service obviously absolutely but, you know, you know? sure yeah we'll see you you know, and stick it, it out. I yeah. I got to make it through my first year first. You yeah. Know, and yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, no, it, it's uh, you know, it, it's a lot of fun to try to kind of, you know, turn the ship a little bit from right. the direction we were going to to where we we need to be, and and uh, I hope to be a part of that, and and uh, you know, at some point, hand it off uh, better than I found it and I found it in a pretty good spot but I, I think we needed some improvements and so you know it's, it was it, we had we enjoyed chief meals because we yeah. had a lot of fun with him yeah, and that we, we roast we we, yeah. we roasted him a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> but it's nice to have somebody from the somebody who knows you know that was born in Frederick Street 
and knows the town and his family's from here and you you got you you know you've got yes 26 years in the police force but you've got how old are you now have to tell you? Yes, you do. Uh, I just turned 50. So you got hey, 50. congrats. You've got, you got 50 <laughs> years in the community, right? Yep. Over half your life as a Santa Cruz police officer. Yep. Yeah, jeez. Well, that must help That's you crazy. with your staff, right? I mean, they must respect the fact that you dedicated your so much energy to your job and the community. Yeah, I, I, I think it definitely is helpful. You know, there were advantages to having Chief Mills in come in from the outside from different perspective kind of a different lens um, but and I think there was a lot of great things that happened for sure but uh, I think yeah I mean I think it goes a long ways you get some automatic you know credibility when you were uh, yeah you worked your way through the ranks and, yeah. and now you've somehow landed at the top yeah. Love it. What's, your, what's been your best day as an officer so far in your 26 years there's a one day that kind of like sticks out as your Best day, and of course, I'm going to ask you the opposite to what's your worst day. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of good days. Um, probably the one that stands out to me the most is back when I was a sergeant in investigations, and I picked up a cold case. It was a, it was a sexual assault of a young, um, a young girl in her home in the middle of the night somebody broke into the the apartment and, and committed just terrible acts um and i actually responded to the call as a patrol officer and so then fast forward i don't know five seven years later um i picked up the case uh we knew or we thought we had a really good idea who did it um but we couldn't find them and so i picked up this case and and just worked it uh you know 10 minutes here, an hour here, just when I had some time, and uh, <clears throat> got a lot of other, you know, state and federal resources involved in it, and uh, so the day that I got the call that that uh, the FBI had found him, um, and I got to drive to the facility and, and interview this person, that was, um, and then ultimately being able to call the family and, and, wow. and, and let them know, and and actually get to meet the, the you know the, the young lady um, in person and and uh, they had moved out of the area and tried to restart their lives and stuff like that understandably but that was yeah that was a huge yeah huge, yeah huge success yeah, one of the cool. bad guys off the street you know yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah and that's and I your know. worst day and and, and uh, yeah worst oh, worst day but and how do you climb out of the that day that you uh, are going to tell us uh, worst day, you know, by far is is when uh, Butch and Elizabeth were killed yeah, in the line of duty. Right. Uh, you know that that one will I don't think will ever be. I hope will never be uh, beaten. Um, you know, I, I think to be dead honest with you, I don't think you ever climb out of that. You don't really? No, no. I no. think. Uh, I mean, there's there's always times where I all think of either you know both of them or or one or the other. Uh, something will happen around the office or people that knew them that work with them will will refer back to them oh you know imagine what Butch yeah. would do here um were you in uniform that day uh so i was in investigations um i clearly remember because i was um i i actually had uh, a large knee brace on and i because i had torn a, a ligament in my knee uh, trying to snow ski which is why I hate skiing. I <laughs> uh, never did it and never will do it again. <laughs> um, and so I was, you know, 
rather restricted in my, my movements, but uh, I was at work and, um, uh, and, and Butch and Elizabeth actually worked in investigations, uh, you know, when they were <coughs> in investigating that case. So, um, yeah, so not only was I working, they were under my span of control. So you go through guilt, you know, mm. you, you, you put blame on yourself, you, you know, there's a lot of different emotions that you go through, but uh, I don't know, and that's the part that I don't think people realize, whether it was an officer or if you're involved in a shooting where somebody loses their life or, or some other traumatic, I don't think people realize how much that, that weighs on, on us, because we're, we're human. Right. You know? yeah. I mean, I can remember a call where uh, uh, um, an infant died of Sid's death. It's not a real common, right. but, you know, I mean, I'll never forget that call. Right. Ever. Right. Mm -hmm. right. I mean, and so and you, that, that just never, you never actually get out of does that. The you try to manage it. Does your department, the police department, do, do they have, is there therapy that, split that, you, that the officers can go to? Like you, if someone dies or... This, this baby is, is are, are, are there therapeutic services that are available to your officers? Yeah, you know that's one really good thing that has improved a lot in in policing is um, the services that are available, and, and just kind of the stigma around raising your hand and asking for help. Uh, when I first started, it wasn't real popular. Uh, you know, you just dealt with it in different ways. But now, yeah, we we have. Um, you know, a peer support team. There's a lot of outside resources that we offer folks, and uh, yeah, there, it, it's much uh, it's much better now yeah. and more equipped yeah. for the for the trauma that we we see. But um, it, it's yeah, it's, it's important. Tough. I mean, oh, suicide yeah. rates among officers is high, you know, yeah. comparatively speaking. So that's a, a resource that you have to offer, I'm sure, just yeah. to keep everybody's mental state peppy. Yeah, wellness is a is a huge thing, right? And that's why you know, back to one of my primary, uh, you know, number one goals is staffing, which includes, I think, in, increases wellness. There's less strain and stress, um, you know. So, uh, but th there are resources, but at the same time, you know, sometimes it's hard to get it out of them that they that they need the resources. Right. Can you tell you, before we end the show? Can you t tell us your typical day? Get, get, you know, grab a cup of coffee. Five o'clock a.m. Five a.m. Out of the donut, jump out of bed. Out of the donut shop. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, think I, I, do, I do like donuts. I yeah, will, who I who will doesn't? To that, yeah, who doesn't? I gotta try to watch. What's your out. favorite donut though? Uh, oh. Usually the maple bar. Oh, Actually, the, the, custard, the, the custard show ones. No, come on. No. I've, I've kind of worked my way from the big bar to yeah. the circle one. It's yeah. a little smaller. So. Uh, so the maple glazed. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should have brought some. I don't think I would complain. <laughs> so 5 a.m., jump out of bed? Mm. Yeah, you know, I think um, usually I probably wake up somewhere around 2 or 3 in the morning and start thinking, start thinking about, you know, uh, staffing um, and, and how can I possibly uh, pull us out of this rut right now and, and change the direction. Um, and then I'll go back to sleep and then uh, wake up probably around six and uh, yeah, hit hit Pete's coffee and uh, yeah. um, <clears throat> look, look do some emails that came in, people, some people thanking us and some people yelling at me about certain situations. <laughs> um, 
and figuring out how to address <laughs> some of the problems. Uh, and then, yeah, you know, a lot, a lot of meetings, a uh, lot of Zoom right now. Um, and then, you know, usually I'm able to fit in some lunch. Sometimes I forget about lunch and it's, yeah. it comes at two o'clock instead of noon. Um, but I do try to wrap up my day with a, a visit to the gym. Uh, we have a workout facility. Yeah, at the, I think we at saw it. We saw it. Yeah, yeah it's yeah. nice. Yeah, um, you know, it's just important for me to to you know to burn off some of the bad energy, and, and I feel a lot better. Um, in your door, like you said, you said that before when you started, you did you know you you fend for yourself. You don't you don't it wasn't cool to ask questions. Now is your door open for all your officers to come say they have a, they have a problem or a situation or issue they want to talk to you about? Yeah, you know, I mean. My relationship with the staff is just like kind of the, the staff's relationship with the community. It takes time to build a relationship, yeah. a trusting relationship, right? So I can say all I want. Hey, my, I got an open door policy. Come see me, I'll, you know. Um, but over time, you have to establish that credibility and that trust where they know they can come to you and uh, respectfully maybe complain about something or voice their displeasure about something. and. And, and not be uh, fearful of any sort of retaliation right. or whatever. Right, right, right. So I think the higher up I've gone up in the ranks, the more uh, important it is to listen and talk less. Yeah, to yeah. To be honest. So Why I try to listen, understand the value of uh, letting people vent sometimes. That's why we were giving two ears and one mouth. Yeah. It's more mm. important to listen. Yeah. Well, thank you for your coming on the show today. We appreciate it. Thank you for your service, of course. Thanks uh, for uh, hope you me. hope you can drag you down here more than once. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll we'll get him back in here. <laughs> Quick thought: if the if you're if you were able to put your classified ads out and offer twenty five thousand dollars more per year in salary, would that change things? Um, I'm not going to say that money won't help, um, but most people that I talk to, it's it's not necessarily a money thing. Uh, obviously, cost of living in this county very is, high. Is difficult for a young uh, young man or woman trying to uh, put together a family and, and buy a house and all of that it, it's tough yeah right? and many right. of your officers live outside of the area yeah where yeah, they could afford sure. homes and yeah for sure so it's money money would help for sure um, but I think deep down it's it's um, the strain and stress of the job kind of the national narrative and all of the, the challenges with booking people into the jail and all they don't they don't see uh, the the end results of, of solving problems right. it's just a never-ending cycle right, right? so uh, I think it's more of we're trying to focus on 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 valuing our employees as human beings and how we treat them it's the little things really so can you repeat once more to the audience like hiring if someone wants to come to uh, to come to for a position of Santa Cruz Police Department how do they do that well, you can go on to the uh, City of Santa Cruz website. Okay. Uh, you can go, there's you know, a, a link there for jobs, a list, long list of all kinds of jobs for the whole city. Uh, we're hiring for community service officers, which you could be younger, more of like 18, 19 years old, mm. uh, to start there, get a foot in the door. Uh, or is that an academy thing first, or is that no, your uh, training house? And yeah, so it might be, if you're interested in law enforcement, a great way to get your feet wet and see if it, if you like it. Kid I know from CC Golf Course, uh, Gabe. He went. He, he wanted to become police officer. So that's, mm -hmm. what he, that's what he started yeah. with. Yeah. Talking meters and yeah. and uh, 
Yeah, and they get to, I mean, that's how I started. I yeah. got to learn a lot before I got hired as a police officer and then ultimately go to the academy. Right. Major contacts. Yeah, you learn a lot about yeah. report writing, using the radio, geography, you know, how they do things, the right forms to use, and all, a lot of things. So, mm -hmm. um, That's an hourly position, I guess, yeah, right? Yeah, huh. and then, or police officer, I think you can apply for your, like, 20, 20 and a half. Um, and, uh, yeah, you fill out the application and submit the proper forms. And, and where you go. And we, yeah, the, you know, the, I, I know that we're, we're offering, a, you know, some hiring incentives as far as, uh, I believe it's at 10000 for a police trainee, and, and then you get additional for uh, an AA degree or a BA degree. Okay. Wow. So, and there's other incentives as well. Bilingual yeah. pay we offer. Uh, you know, the big thing is benefits. We offer a great benefit great. Yeah, package. Yeah, the problem right. is, is a 21-year-old doesn't need see it. that. Right. Mm -hmm. They don't need no, it. They don't see yeah. that yet. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when they get to the point later in their career and in their life and they have yeah. a family, mm -hmm. yeah. they realize, wow, we have a great benefit package. Yeah, yeah. But it's not yeah something is in the forefront of the, on the, on the, front <laughs> yeah, of the yeah, fire, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, I understand. That. Yeah. yeah, but that's like you know that, I'm sure that package is probably twenty or thirty thousand dollars a year. Yeah, no, you know, and you add that right on top of your salary, and it really makes a big difference. So that's the city of Santa Cruz website. Yes, you yep. can go on there, check it out, and if you want to be a community officer, great way to get your feet wet. See if you it's a, a career maybe you want to take. How long do you say the academy is? Six months. Academy six months, and if we, we hire folks, some people don't hire folks. They, they want people to go to the academy on their own mm -hmm. and pay for it on their own. Uh, we hire you and send you to the academy, pay you while you're in the academy. And how many stars are on your collar? I have four on, on each collar. Four on so each. Totally of eight. Okay, yeah. so if anybody sees a Santa Cruz police officer with eight stars, yeah. say hi. <laughs> okay, right? Yeah. <laughs> Ask for a job. <laughs> there you go. That's that? that is awesome. Yeah. Bernie, thanks for coming on. Oh, yeah, uh, we appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate you and what you're doing. Your job's hard, stressful, but uh, our community is better for you trying so hard. Yeah. So thank you for that because we need we need leadership. So thank you, yeah. Neil. Next week we got Emmanuel. Emmanuel Guzman coming back. The 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 best skateboarder to come out of Santa Cruz has been Emmanuel Guzman and uh, so proud to have him back so E-Man is back next Tuesday yep. um, El Jefe yep. Bernie Escalante very sure. very happy that you are at the helm and uh, I wish you nothing but the best I wish that your your staff is safe and uh, everyone has the best of health so uh, thank you for coming on the show thank you guys uh, T-Fox Santa Cruz Waves thanks for having us tonight as always everybody who tuned in thank you we will see you next week Neil great show Good night, everybody.